me and my sister were left with my mum. Right. And sort of found us being the role of um, almost parent, as opposed to that of the child. I remember putting like my mum to bed after she'd been super drunk and was like sick everywhere. Crossroads, a podcast where I come together with interesting and inspiring individuals who are here to share their stories and to pass on any wisdom that they have on living a good life. Today is the first podcast, and I'm joined by my first ever guest, a very good friend of mine, someone who inspires me, someone who has been an incredibly good friend to me over the last four years, Kerry. Kerry, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for being my first guest on here. How nervous are you? (laughs) No <laughs> I'm I'm also very nervous. Um, I just wanted to talk about briefly about our friendship because we've known each other four years. Is it four years? Twenty eighteen. Yeah. Three years. It's about that. And I and I think yeah, maybe three or four years. And I remember we were very different people when we met. I mean, I remember meeting Kerry on a night out, and we were like we were both in very different parts of our lives. We were both pretty messed up people <laughs> when we first met. Wouldn't you agree? I think you would agree on that. Mm-hmm. And then it's incredible to see where you are now with what you're doing. I mean, you have a psychology degree now. You're now helping people. Uh, you, you know, you're doing really well in your life right now. And it's incredible to see the growth in the last four years. And similar to me as well, we've both kind of been on a very similar journey over the last three years. So I'm really excited to do this podcast with you because I really want to talk about your life and what you've experienced. And and I'm really excited for you to share that with uh, everyone else who's going to be listening to this podcast. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, so it's uh, just jump into it. Um, so I know bits and pieces of your past. I uh, over the last few years we've talked. I, I have some conversations, so I know a bits. I know parts of your life from early on. I was hoping uh, today that you could ex- share with you uh, with everyone listening what experience you went through in your early part of your life that shaped you to the person you are today. So, and you know, and how those experiences, all those things you went through early in your life impacted in your life as you, you know, got older and became much more uh, self-aware about yourself. So. Basically, the um, first sort of memories that I have um, as a young one weren't the happiest. So um, I come from um, a sort of... A modern family, if you will, because my parents didn't live together when I was born. They weren't married. They they were in a relationship, I think, but nobody really knew about it. They were neighbours. So um, that gave me a bit of a strange start in life. I didn't see that um, happy family dynamic. What yeah, that, that kind of healthy, yeah. Yeah. Like a, a messed up kind of kind of basis for a relationship or a family or... or... Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah. Like, my parents' version of hanging out was, like, they would get drunk. <laughs> um, I don't remember them being particularly happy. Um, I remember them mm. arguing. Um, found myself um, in situations that maybe a child shouldn't really be in. Yeah. One time that I can remember is them arguing, my dad throwing... Um, a glass of wine over her. 
Yeah. Right. Now they didn't yeah, live together, so when he came mm. over and they got drunk and that erupted, he could just go home. Whereas mm. me and my sister were left with my mum. Right. And sort yeah. of found us being the role of um, almost parent, as opposed to that of the child. I remember putting like my mum to bed after she'd been super drunk and was like sick everywhere. Yeah. Well, it wasn't yeah. the, the best. <laughs> the okay, best yeah. start. So, like, so, for that, so the, how old were you when this, this was happening, roundabout? Like, how young were you? Um, from the first time that I remember, God, I must have been, like, primary one. Mm. So, what, five? Oh, I was like, five, wow. <laughs> so, that was, like, very early on in, in your life. So, as you grew up, as in, like, in primary school, how was school life for you with that happening at home? Uh, with everything so school life for me was not the best I was by no means the popular kid in fact um, I was sort of the the target the one that people would make fun of Um, and obviously them being young they don't think it's bullying it's just it's just having a bit of fun just Um, banter yeah (laughs) yeah it didn't it didn't feel like that for me at all so going through school um knowing that everybody saw me as like the weird kid um, and also having friends and like girls as kids are not, <laughs> are not, not the nicest yeah. anyway. Um, <laughs> but you know, one second you're friends, the next you're not and everybody hates you and then you're back to being friends. And um, <laughs> that was sort of a pattern with my friends in primary school. I also had mm. another close friend um that was meant to be one of my best friends, but she would like do things and then like laugh about me with her brothers. Um, one example of that is I was really, I was really into Charmed as a kid, and so I got really interested in um, like Wicca. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. me and my friend made a book of shadows, and we used to collect like like essential oils and stuff like that, and I think. I don't know, say we were like 10 when we did this. A couple of years later, she told me um, I didn't believe in any of that stuff. I just thought it was funny to make fun of you for liking it. Wow. Yeah. Jeez, that is yeah. so much stuff. Yeah, so wow. that's the basis so, and this- of my friendship. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, some, that must have affected you, affected your relationships in the, in the, uh, as you got older, especially, so, uh, so that's just primary school. Did that, so how did that then kind of fall over into secondary school? Was that, was secondary school very different or was it the same sort of pattern as um, primary school? Same sort of pattern, except I had a guard up because I knew that people wouldn't like me straight away. So instead of being inviting and wanting to be people's friends, um, <laughs> I made myself as scary as possible. Like, don't fucking speak to me. Like, I used to shout to right. people on the bus. I used to get into arguments. Look at the defense mechanism. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But at the time, I, I didn't really know what was going on. I just I was just angry all the time. Hated yeah. everyone. Um, yeah. And then, eventually, I found friends with people that were, like, a year older than me. Um, we got into like drinking, smoking, um, sort of a way to prove that, see, I, I can be someone, I'm someone cool. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, just kind of to fit in to be like to do what everyone else was doing. So because before, I suppose like before when you were younger and, and when you said were charmed, having your own interests seemed to alienate you from anyone else. So mm-hmm. I see, I see, like the smoking and the drinking was the. I mean, I suppose many people in like in secondary school fall into that because they want yeah. to be part of the whole thing. I don't know. So you went through secondary school and you experienced all this. Did, how was the family? Was this also still going on at the same time? Or had you um, moved out? So like, how was this all kind of coming together as a... Oh, yeah. I stayed with um, my family until I was 17 yeah. when I moved to Aberdeen. Um, right. So, yeah, that was still all going on in the background, except I was starting to get more of a backbone. I was arguing back. Um, right. And actually, I, I was probably doing things which were a detriment to my mum. Mm. Sort of a... I don't know, maybe it was a weird way of punishing her for... Um, the way that she was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, me and my mum have resolved that. So that, that's good. Um, yeah. It doesn't make it any easier to think about. Like, I used to skip school all the time. Yeah. Um, obviously, drinking. Um, man, she was raging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was so, raging. So- yeah, I could, yeah. <laughs> so like, so that was your entire secondary experience. Um, so you did you get into university straight out of school, or was it like did you have a period where you were just working? Um, no, um, I went to college first, so oh, okay. I was I was quite lucky. Um, I got into like a long term relationship when I was fifteen, and that completely sort of changed my course, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. I was really close to his mum. She'd been through similar experiences that I had. Okay. And so I had somebody to show me that, you know, just because people say or people make you think that you're a waste of space, right. you aren't actually. Right, so okay. that was... So that, yeah. Having that, some, that person in your life that you could empathise with, who understood what you were going through. I mean, like, how, how was that, like, when you met, so when you were in this relationship, how was... Um, how did that relationship with your um, your partner at the time's mother affect you later on? Like, like, so having that person in your life, how did did you start seeing, like, becoming self aware about yourself, or like, well, how important was that relationship? Like, how much did that affect you growing up after, like, you know, you were fifteen? Um, oh, <laughs> I'm so thankful to her in so many different ways. Even the things that yeah. she said then, I still keep in the back of my mind today. Right. Um, yeah. She's a very powerful woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, but so I was in my past relationship for seven years. So she was in my life for a, quite a, a long so, time, right. considering yeah. how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least a yeah. quarter of your life, right? But yeah. I'm just okay, so, third, I'm so yeah. grateful. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, what? The, so, having her for seven years, what did you learn? Like, what were what were the most important things that you could take away? Like, that really that help you today. That that could also help people who are going through that as well. Like, what were the like if anything you can share, if you want to share? Um, the biggest things that I learned from being in that relationship for seven years was um, sort of opening up to living as as a couple rather than an individual and realising how my actions affect other people. So a bit more like a self-awareness of your kind of your, of your consequences of your own actions, basically. And, yeah. And but, also yeah. it was um, good in some ways. It was quite an interesting relationship because we went from being monogamous to being non-monogamous. So that was a, a massive sort of chapter in my life 
Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, sort of learning to um, open up myself as an individual um, and accept yeah. love, which is a big, it's a big massive like ding ding for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> learning to Loving accept it. love. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose, yeah, because you were, yeah, that's interesting, because you never would have experienced that at a young age, and so, so was that, like, a big, was that a gradual thing, accepting love for yourself, or was that, like, do you know there was a moment when you realized what love was, what genuine love was for yourself, or was it, was this a gradual thing over that entire span of time, like? Um, it was a, a gradual thing, because at yeah. first, like, I didn't believe that, um, this was for me, this kind of thing doesn't happen to people like me. Mm. In fact, my mum phoned his mum at the start of our relationship, like, um, uh, your son's too good for her, basically. Right, okay. Um, yeah. Putting ideas into her head. It was university. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so, so we'll move on to, like, because you brought up university. So that must have been a very, because uh, you studied psychology and you'd went, gone through. And so uh, when did you start university? So you went to college for a year, was it a year or two years? Two. You went to two years. Okay. And then, uh, so college, you were in Aberdeen for that. And you were studying, was it like a precursor course of psychology or? It was social sciences. Social sciences. Okay. And then you went on to psychology. Yeah. So having gone through what you went through and then studying it, in university was that was it easier to learn in, in some extent or sort of like more interesting I suppose because you had experienced a lot of what you were learning um it, well it was really interesting there was aspects of the course that made me kind of realize why I am the way that I am um but <laughs> mostly I was kind of shocked because a lot of it is statistics based it's very much um, research-based, which is com completely not my area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um, just doing that degree like proved so much to myself. Um, this is sort of a theme throughout my life where people mm. don't expect much from me and then I do the thing. So <laughs> I actually failed psychology <laughs> um, right, when I took okay. it at school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so. and then you went on to now get a psychology degree I mean, yeah like, that's, um, yeah <laughs> where the world works so like so you were in university for four years was it four year four year course three three years three year course yeah, i think I this is when we must second year okay so and this is probably when we met this is around about the time we met actually i think you met me in uh i think i was Gonna go into fourth year, right? Okay, and I deferred. Right, I think I vaguely remember that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, because this, so I, I mean, we both shared a lot of experiences in in Aberdeen. How? How? So that period of time you were studying uh, psychology. What was going on in your personal? Like, so like, so you obviously you had grown as an individual and you you'd become much more self aware. What was it like being in university? studying psychology on your, in regards to your personal life, what was happening at the same time as that? You were studying this incredible degree, but you're also going through, were you going through your, kind again, we've, we've talked about this, like, um, what, what was going, what were you going through during the time? Because I, I remember, you know, <laughs> I remember the partying. I remember the, we used to do it all the time. I remember like, it was a kind of, 
Like it was, it, I was hoping to share you. Like you can talk about like what was going through your head during that time as well, with like what you wanted to do in life, and you know you were also very spiritual. I was also want to ask like when did spirituality come into your life, or was it something that was always sort of in the back of your mind from your charm days when you were into like that kind of kind of mysticism and like you know Wiccan stuff? So yeah, to be honest, spirituality did exactly come from then. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so strange because it's yeah. something that's always been with me but I've, it's never left me um, it's yeah. just that I've I sort of nourished it in different ways as I've gotten yeah. older um, but in regards yeah. to what was going on at the same time that I was studying so it's actually interesting because when I moved up here um, I moved here with my partner at the time um, first time living alone first time like living outside of my home in a diff- completely different city, three hours away, mm. which was exactly what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and as time went on, I felt like I felt like I was I was happy, but something was missing. Um, like just some something wasn't right. And every now and then, I would just go through um, sort of depressed spells mm. um, where I had no motivation and. Just, it just something wasn't right. I loved studying. If I was at in the library studying away, I'd be that'd be me. I'd be happy, but mm. home life wasn't so great. Um, just based on the fact that I wasn't wasn't happy, but it was easier to yeah. be in that relationship than um, to be on your also, own. Yeah. yeah, there was also um, I've struggled with disordered eating throughout my whole life so that was in the background as well while I was doing my oh, yeah. psychology degree which so, was really interested in yeah. learning about yeah um like sort of the brain Oops. and yeah. nutrients and things like that and I'm like yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. want to have any of this in my body yeah <laughs> actually <laughs> interesting you brought it up I was hoping you can talk about that the eating disorder, and what you learned about it as well in psychology like what was the what, what what did you learn about it? As because you, you also, as you said, you you experienced it. You had eating disorders, and then you were learning about it. So, what did you pick up from yourself, and what have you learned overall about eating disorders as well? Um, um, oh, it's, it's actually it's very interesting. So, hmm. in psychology, we learned um, something called formulation, where you formulate someone's problem. So, you look at the causes, um, what's keeping that problem going things like that so when I applied that to myself I realized that you know living up living up sorry (laughs) (laughs) growing up growing up in a sort of neglectful household um kind of made my need for control really really strong made me feel like I needed a sense of control which I didn't have by living at home so Mm you cling on to what you can control, right? So for me, it was my weight, what I'm eating. Um, so it's, it's been, it's interesting to see how my background has fed into um, my mental health yeah. and has made this happen. And it's something that I'm probably going to struggle with for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, it seems that no matter like what I do, I'm always going to have some sort of cycle of um, self-harm in some way. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you speak about that, but you've obviously gotten better at it over the uh, years. You've gotten better at realizing when you're having those moments. What, um, what 
tools do you use? What tactics have you used to kind of get back control when you do have those moments? Because um, I, I suppose right now you have a lot more control than you did like three years ago, four years ago, five years ago. So like what what's changed really? Has, have you just picked up lessons? Have you start like... Is it, was, it, was it like just a kind of fact of just growing up and becoming self-aware that you sort of became aware of these things? Or, were you, what, what did, or did you do things specifically to tackle these, you know, the eating disorders and the kind of lack of control in your life? Well, moving out helped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> moving out helped, having more control over my life. And um, also it got to a point when at school I was... I was actually displaying sort of little panic attacks. Yeah. Um, so eventually I did go to a doctor and he showed me the, the power of CBT, cognitive yeah. behavioral therapy. So it's basically looking at um, how you're feeling in a situation, assessing yeah. whether um, your feelings and thoughts about the situation are um, accurate or not. Mm. And that, that was really powerful for me because, yeah, you know... Yeah. Um, you realise, oh, not not everybody actually is looking at me. Nobody's actually watching me eat. Yeah. Um, and the doctor also recommended keeping a diary, and that is something that has helped me massively throughout my life. Yeah. Um, the power of reflection is real. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I mean, interesting. You, I want you brought that up. I was actually hoping you can go into detail with that because I, I, since you've started psychology and now you actually help people, uh, it, it's social care you do. I was like, I hope you can share, like, you know, what you learned when you did psychology about, like, you know, like um, how to help people, how people can help themselves. Like, what what, what are the tools that, like, like you said, you, uh, writing a diary helped for you and becoming reflective? What what other tools have you learned that can help people who are maybe going through that as well? Oh, and also like explain like why why counseling is so good as well because you've gone you know you've gone through it for you for yourself you've studied it and um like how what what about counseling helps people like why is it so good for people to go to as well that we can share. Um, I think counseling is so powerful because it gives people the space to explore their thoughts and feelings about things they maybe wouldn't share otherwise. Mm. Um. And just having that space to sort of open up and talk about these things. People people look at counselling and they're like, oh yeah, it's just talking about your feelings. It's not, it's not that helpful. <laughs> yeah. But in reality, the, it's really powerful being able to yeah. speak to someone about your issues um, and sort of say, help me, is there something wrong with me? That's a massive step. Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of what my psychology degree has taught me, um, <laughs> oh, so so many things. Some of which are just <laughs> not relevant to anything. Like, um, I say, well, it's relevant, but like how colorblind this comes to be, it's massive. Right, yeah. <laughs> psychology. Is massive. Massive. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think an interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah, the things that helped me the most with my psychology degree, though are certainly um, developmental psychology. So that's mm. sort of looking at um, how our treatment as toddlers and children affects us as adults. And yeah. looking at um, attachment theory, which um, looks at 
how how our relationship with our parents um, paves the way for our relationships later in life and what you can do about them. Yeah. Um, so it's it's brought me a really good understanding of see if if I meet someone and they act in a certain way, maybe they're a little bit rude. Um, mm. Just gives you a better sense of understanding, better empathy sense of empathy. Well. Yeah. I understand that you're an asshole, but it's not your fault. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's an important thing. Yeah. I think that's an important thing. I think, like, especially now when we see someone acting in a way that is negative, the presumption is they're just an asshole. They're, they're not, we don't take the time to think, like, what have they gone th- What could have they gone through in their lives to affect them like that? Especially when you're young. Because you're young, you're so impressionable. Um, you know, it's it's kind of insane to think that. Like, um, is there anything right now that you struggle with? That kind of, I mean, you've talked about eating disorders. Is there anything else as well, like in relationships or friendships or just work? Is there anything from actually two questions actually? So, if there's anything from your past that you had to deal with that you've fully overcome, is there anything right now that you know that you've at least to like a very high degree overcome strongly? And then also inversely, is there anything that you still struggle with from back then that, you know, something that happened when you were younger that you are making progress in, but you still have a lot of work to. So, you know, two part question there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's hard because there's, there's so many things that I've dealt with, but I don't know um, what I've actually overcome and conquered yet. <laughs> no, because yeah, you're everything, still in the process, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Everything sort of feels like an uphill ongoing mm. battle if you will yeah. um but i think well the first thing that i've sort of come to terms with and it doesn't really affect me um uh what somebody i was once close to um sexually assaulted me in my sleep um and at the time it was it was really difficult to to deal with because it was somebody that I trusted, um, somebody that was meant to be like my closest friend at the time. Yeah. So that's something that happened, um, like during university time. Like, was it? This happened um, during my deferred year from uni. Right. Okay. So this would be the round of times that we met met then. Think. But six, seven months after, yeah. Six, seven, okay, yeah. Wow, that's that's again. So that's something you're still having to deal with, I suppose. Well, yeah. oh, 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 sorry. I think, yeah. I think I've actually resolved this one because I okay. can see oh. how I've put myself in shit positions. Um, I went through a period of time where I wasn't really myself. I was partying too much. I was putting myself in dodgy situations. Mm-hmm. Um. And when that happened, I had actually went to stay with that person because I was feeling really depressed. I just wanted out of Aberdeen, so I went to Glasgow. Mm. Um, uh, so for that to happen at that time, time. was really yeah. jarring. Um, but now I can sort of see that, well, he has his own issues to deal with. Um, it's not my fault. It's not my problem. I'm no longer mm. in contact with that person, so I've taken yeah. the right steps to, to sort of protect myself. Mm. Um, and not a lot of people know that that happened. So on the outside, it probably looks like I've just stopped talking to that person and I'm a bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But You're taking the steps I've, to self-heal, though. That's, yeah. yeah, exactly. 
So. Um, but I feel like that sort of ties into my constant um, struggle with self-worth and self-love. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, no, thank you for sharing that. I know that must be hard as well. But it's like you say, it's something that you've worked on and you've, you've, you've sort of taken the steps to, to heal. And I suppose a lot of women have gone through that. I mean, there'll be a lot of people listening to this podcast that have gone through similar situations. What advice would you give them who have um, suffered from that? Like, what would you want to share with them? Like, that you, that you wanted to hear, maybe you wanted to hear. <laughs> I can see you rubbing your hands. <laughs> um, um, I would say that you know, if, if somebody had come to me with what I had said, um, first of all, if you go to someone um, that you trust, you shouldn't expect anything bad to happen, regardless of what situation you might have put yourself in, that other person should be mm. on your side. Um, second one is that it doesn't, it doesn't need to affect your self-worth. Mm. That is something that happened to you. It is not what makes you you. No, it's uh, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. It's, uh, it's, uh, I didn't. I didn't even know that happened to you. So, and it's especially. It, it also is interesting because um, when we met, I remember seeing you for the person you were at that time. I, and 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 you wouldn't. I remember when I met you, you wouldn't think that this had all happened. I, to some degree, I think like you know we sort of. That period of time we when when we met, I remember thinking like you were such an incredibly strong person. Like I, I was like really not intimidated, but well, okay, I was <laughs> slightly intimidated by you, slightly. But then I got to know you, and then. <laughs> 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 no, but like, that's that's incredible. It's powerful. It's it's, it's great to hear though. That's I mean, it, it just feeds onto the ideas of how much I respect you and 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 how inspiring you are. And I'm really grateful that you shared this. It's it's, it's great. Thank you know, you. no no worries. So like, oh, <laughs> so. Where you are right now in life, you you oh. you've got you know. Yes, Would I sorry, be able to add something onto like our conversation just there? Yeah, go for it. I yeah. think it might be helpful to um, sort of talk about how I can see a pattern in um, my relationship right. throughout my life. Yes, yeah, yeah, sure, one hundred percent. How that ties that, into yeah. like my low yeah, self worth? Yeah. Is that okay? One hundred percent. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So I've also noticed, <laughs> also noticed um, a bit of a pattern throughout my life. I've got self-destructive tendencies, if you will. So um, when I don't know, say, must have been about fourteen, I started, you know, expressing like sexual desires um, <laughs> and being a fourteen-year-old and sort of like the emo scene. You learn that. Yeah. The older guys in that scene are into you. Mm. Um, so being 14, you know, drinking, um, feeling that sort of like male desire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was something that I got like sort of caught up in a little bit. And then I had my relationship and then I got out of that. And whenever I'm feeling low, um, something shit will always happen in regards to like sex i will make shit decisions regarding mm. that <laughs> right yeah, yeah um yeah so like not long after well actually the first instance was a couple of years before i met you um right. i wasn't feeling too good i was drinking um another example of my self-destructive behavior but 
because everybody else was doing it. Drink. It's, it's sort of socially. You don't. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. It's a socially yeah. acceptable self destruction. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, I sort of. I made pretty bad decisions, like sleeping with a guy that my friend was seeing, um, and when I had a bad spell again a couple of years later, I did the same thing to the same friend. Um, except this time, I was so drunk. Um, I don't really remember it happening. Um, from what I remember, I was really upset and this guy had offered to help and like, oh, do you want to come back to mine? I'll make you a cup of tea, we'll talk. That was fine. Um, so I don't know how it went from that to, to that. That, yeah. Um, and that really badly affected me for a while. Um, and then, lo and behold, like a few months later, I was presented with a similar opportunity. But this time, I took it, but I was in control of the situation. And through therapy, I've realized that that was my way of sort of taking the power back from right. that situation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, it hurt yeah. someone else again. Ah, uh, right. So. So you, you've identified that pattern. Is that something that still affects you now? Or have you sort of, because you've identified it and you're sort of making the, you've taken back control, is that something that you think in the future is going to affect you? Or do you think you're now in a position where you are in control of that yeah. part? Yeah, I'm right. in a position now where I feel like I am in complete control, in control. of that. I know that's a yeah. pattern for me. <laughs> if, I, right. um, if my inhibitions are gone... Um, I know that that's exactly what I'll do, so let's not you just, do that. Let's not do that. Let's not yeah, yeah, put yeah, yeah. in that situation. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. that's completely... Yeah. I think that's the thing. It's like people, especially with alcohol, I think mm -hmm. like people, you can, it's so easy to be in control when you're sober. Like, as in like, you, you, you convince yourself that you're in, like, I'm fixed, I'm fine, I'm, I'm not going to make the same mistakes when I drink, you know what I mean? And then you drink, and then you realize that you're not, because what alcohol does, it just enhances whatever emotion you have, it makes you, it, you know, it brings down your inhibitions, so, yeah, that's, that's the thing, I think, I think a lot of people think like, oh, I can do it all, I can drink and still maintain a sense of control, and like, if drinking was the issue, <laughs> it's not going to somehow magically not be an issue in the future. So yeah, no, that's, that's a great, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's great. I mean, like, so the thing to go back to the question I was asking before, so is there anything right now that you are still working on, but you're making progress as in like, I mean, there's probably a few things, but is there one that stands out to you? That's something like that maybe other people who, who may be going through similar things that you're also still working on, but you want to share and what you're doing to kind of work on it. Um, it could be anything, you know. I suppose one that might be the most practical thing um, mm. is learning to manage depression, anxiety, any mental health you have, and still mm. keep it on top of life. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the balance um, issue. That's the hard yes. thing, yes, maintaining a balance, yeah. It's an ongoing, yeah. ongoing thing. So spirituality, uh, we've talked, we touched on this before, and it was something that you had since the charm days of your, you know, your early primary school days. When did, so uh, how has spirituality impacted your life? Like, how has that helped you? In what moments have you turned to your spiritual, because you're not necessarily religious, I, I'm correct in saying, but you are spiritual. When have you turned to spirituality to help you? Like, what, what are the moments that it's really kind of, uh, you know, given you a lot of benefits from having a spiritual belief? Um, I think... I first started feeling the benefits from it when I was uh, 
maybe like 16, 17, mm. I had started doing Pilates. So that's basically like better yoga. <laughs> <laughs> better um, yoga. And that. feeling that sort of like how all of the body parts are connected, how everything is connected. That's when I started getting mm. into sort of meditation and realizing that, you know, my consciousness mm. um, is bigger than myself. Yeah. Everybody has um, a conscious somewhere, you know? And becoming self-aware of it is yes. like an incredibly powerful thing because mm -hmm. I've always kind of found it interesting that hu humans are animals, but what makes us different is that we have the, the ability to become self-aware. Like we are aware of our conscious mm -hmm. brain. Like we control our thoughts and like, and meditation as well. Something you brought up, like you know, meditation is. I mean, especially since you study psychology and you you understand the benefits of meditation, especially even anxiety and uh, you know depression. It really helps you calm yourself down if you can keep yourself kind of centered and meditate and calm yourself down. So, like, I mean, we, we've talked about spirituality and like we talked about like. You know, what, what would you define spirituality as for your personal definition of it as well, at least? Like, I mean, that's a very heavily loaded question, I know. <laughs> but I'm curious, curious to pick your brain. I've never asked you this question before, um, but uh, I'd start asking you now. Take your time to answer. <laughs> or at least, like, what, what, if, you, if you don't know what, like, how you would define spirituality, how, how important would you say it has been to your life to have that, having that, that sort of faith in a higher power? Because, like, how, like, how important do you think that is psycho psychologically on one side? How it, to have a, to surrender yourself to a higher power, and also from a personal stance, like how powerful it is to have that belief in you that you can always turn to. It's sort of like a you know religion in, in a sense. It is. Some people, yeah. that's what puts some people off spirituality, isn't it? Because they think it's mm. like religion, but in reality, it's just um, a way to view yourself as part of the wider. Um, universe, universe, if you will, yeah, 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 as a child of the universe, seeing mm. um, sort of the cause and effect within the world, being able to appreciate, you know, we breathe out, plants breathe it in, breathe it back out, that mm. whole cycle of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a comforting really, notion, I think. Yeah, yeah, comforting. I think that's that's the thing. Like, like I, I try when I talk about spirituality, I talk about it in the sense of like, because people don't want to surrender to a higher power. Like they, they don't want it like the idea of God or some sort of high it's just like it doesn't mesh with the logical brain like you know it doesn't make sense for there to be some sort of eternal force um, but like to me it's just so like I remember reading about Alcohol Anonymous what they do actually is that one of the things they tell you to is to surrender yourself to a higher power could be anything it could be God it could be spirituality it could just be logic and reason it could just be like just you know the universe for what, being what it is you know the, the reason why they do that is because it gives you that comforting notion that there is a sort of guiding force in your life. Even if, and, and I feel like, I mean, regardless if it's true or not, because again, you know, that's a debate on its own, it's comforting. And I think that's what people, like, I think spirituality, like it's so powerful. It's like, especially when you've said, it's like, it's something you can turn to that's within that kind of keeps you calm. It's it's like, it's, and people kind of don't want to have blind faith in something. They just, they, they don't, because they think it's like, that's just, you're just being controlled by something. I mean, organized religion is a, like, I mean, there are issues with it. I mean, for 100%, it's like that kind of like the idea of surrendering yourself to some sort of like cult or spiritual belief or anything. It's sort of like surrendering your free will, which is ridiculous because you're still in control. You're just having this kind of like 
comforting notion that you are also being looked after, looked after by something or something is in control and it gives you even if you maybe don't fully believe it or you like at least for me i i i don't i'm i'm, I'm agnostic about the whole thing like i do believe it and i don't believe it i don't have blind faith in it but i have faith in it it's something like it's like a balancing but it's it's nice to come back because whenever i have go through something bad or some negative experience i then automatically think there is a reason for this happening and so I can take away a lesson from it. Instead of just thinking, like, this is bad, I hate it, I want it to end. I'm thinking, this is bad, I hate it, I want it to end, but what can I gain from this? You know what I mean? Like, and so that spirituality is a powerful thing to have. It's like this kind of like, it's, it's like, it's, it's like religion without the organized part to it. Cause spiritual belief is very personal, I think, having that kind of, yeah. Belief. Yeah. No, that's cool. I mean, I'm going to, so we're nearing the end of the podcast. We're running into 45 minutes now. I've got, I'm going to ask you three questions or maybe four oh, questions. Seeing how, quick fire questions. Just like something you want to share. Um, that'd be a good way to end the podcast. Um, uh, what are you most proud of right now in your life? What's the one thing you're most proud of? Take your time to think about it, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am most proud of my ability to, um, relate to and understand people and to yeah. use that to be able to help them yeah that's um, perfect yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. especially uh, in my line of work it's um it's been it's been massive for me actually seeing the the, the impact that i've been able to make on other people mm, mm. and i guess it is validating but also like it's just it shows me that i'm on the right path yeah yeah that, that yeah that's powerful. That's great. I love that. Uh, next question. What are you most grateful for for right now? So this is community. Like, what are you grateful for? What do you have in your life right now that you're grateful to have? Oh, <laughs> I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for my cats and my boyfriend. <laughs> you can see one of the cats behind me. I was going to say. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I can't see your boyfriend um, behind you. <laughs> no, no. He's asleep. <laughs> he's dead to the world today. <laughs> um, yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, next question. What are you most excited for right now? Like, what are you most excited for in your life? What's What are you looking forward to? Um, I am most excited to be able to go home at some point soon, <laughs> which is really it's bizarre thing that I thought I'd never say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that just a lockdown thing, or is that just yeah. a um, oh, a lockdown thing? Yeah, yeah I suppose. Yeah. yeah. No, I've got enough. a niece that I've never met. Oh, right. oh okay. Oh, that's going to be nice. <laughs> that's going to be a nice reunion. It's going to be a great end of lockdown for you. <laughs> Last question before we end the podcast. Um, what do you wish you were doing right now that would excite you? Actually, I've got two more questions. This is not the last question. This is the second last question. <laughs> um, like, what would, you, what would you wish you were doing right now that would excite you? Like, right now, if you could do one thing you, that you've maybe done before, you've never done before, what would you choose to do? What would I choose to do? To be honest, my mind is on my postgraduate. But mm. <laughs> that's fucking boring. Sorry. No, 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 it's fine. That's all good. So you want to get to get your post? Are, are you studying your postgraduate now? Are you no, going to study? Not it? yet. Oh, okay. But that's that's um, but a few years excited. down the line. Oh, okay. <laughs> if I could do it now, that would be easy. Then, just... yeah. <laughs> okay. And then the final question, the good way to end the podcast. Uh, what's one piece of advice? you would give to your younger self and also that you would share to someone else. Like what was the one thing you would tell the self, your, your young self um, is going through everything that they, she was going through. What would you could do, if you could tell her one thing 
What would it be? Um, I know it's so cliche, but I, w- I would tell her that, you know, it's not always going to be this way and the way that you feel mm. about yourself is not your fault. Um, I wish that I could go back and tell my younger self that, you know, you were born mm. as a blank slate. Um, right, yeah. Your parents, as dysfunctional as they were, um, have sort of taught you to think like them. Uh, it's not your fault that you are dysfunctional. You've developed dysfunctional thought patterns from those mm. around you. Um, and actually, interestingly, if you don't mind me going into a little bit of psychology. Yeah, go for it, it'll go for it. Maybe help other help people. Help people, yeah, 100%. Yeah, 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 go for it. Um, so what, what I would tell people, if anyone's feeling um, the, the same way and had a similar upbringing, um, you might have developed sort of um negative beliefs about yourself like you know you're not good enough um what you have to say doesn't matter things like that and that's probably come from um your your parents parenting you know when you're born to dysfunctional people you do dysfunctional things Mm. naturally um so when you've got that solidified belief system like i'm shit the ego if we believe in that, stands on mm. guard and wants to prove and protect that belief. Mm. Um, but it's interesting uh, thinking about how your parents might have led you to believe these things and what your parents say is just as important as what they don't say. So mm. if your mum never tells you that you're beautiful, it's likely that you think that you're ugly. If she never says that you're doing a good job, um, and only expresses her disappointment or anger when you've done something wrong, um, of course, you're going to think that you can't do anything right. Mm, yeah. um, this leads you to believe that you're not worthy of love. That that becomes pretty deep-rooted, as it did for me. And if yeah. a parent does nothing to make up for that um, and does nothing to reverse that view, never says, actually, oh, you've done really well this time, mm never makes up for it that belief will become deeply ingrained in your self-view um this can happen in really subtle ways so you know telling your kid to shut up because you're watching tv yeah um telling you not to wear certain things you know brainwashing Mm. you into caring about what other people think about you teaching a child that you're constantly unimportant is obviously very detrimental to their well-being um, but a lot of parents won't see it like that. Um, it's, it can happen so subtly and it doesn't have to be um, because your parent's an alcoholic or anything like that. Um, yeah. I think that's a massive learning curve is knowing that although this is my parent, I still deserve to be respected. Thank you, yeah. That's right. um, so it's interesting, yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, if you, if you take that, um, you might find that you're now like passive-aggressive, you don't know how to make your needs known and how to have them met. Maybe you struggle with stability and commitment. You don't think you're mm. enough. You struggle to finish projects. Yeah. Um, you take your life way too seriously. Maybe you find it hard to really let go because of your ego trying to protect your belief system. Mm. So in order to sort of shed that, you need to open up your mind to new beliefs. You need to get to the root of what has caused you to feel this way. Um, of course, there's affirmations. But affirmations only 
a car in five percent of your brain because that's where um, the, yeah. the conscious mind is. It's not yeah. deeply rooted in your subconscious yet. So there's an element of ego shedding there. Yeah. Um, how do I make myself feel like I'm enough? Um, your outer reality can only match your inner reality, if that makes right. sense. Yeah, I get what you mean. So, like, yeah, yeah, I, I see what you mean. So you, you need you, to work you, from yeah. within to make your happiness make, happen. Outside, of, yeah, internal happiness and sheds into yeah. external happiness. Like, if you, if you, any situation is going to be negative if you see it as negative whereas situations exactly. are just situations as your perceptions that define what those uh, exactly. what those moments mean and uh, it's easy to get into your head and like it's especially when you're depressed and, and going through stuff that like, this is bad this is awful and and it's always going to be bad and awful if yeah. you keep thinking i mean i mean it's still going to be bad and awful it's not going to be a great experience but how you handle yourself will greatly impact your life i, I exactly see what you're saying yeah one hundred percent. yeah exactly yeah. Right. Okay, well, then it's got here. But uh, <laughs> thank you, Carrie, <laughs> for coming onto the podcast. No, 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 it's all good. No, no, I'm happy to share. No, 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 I'm really happy you shared that. I'm really glad you did because my I was going to also ask like one more question. I'm like, what would you would uh, give advice to people? What, what would you share? And you and you did. You answered the question anyway. So I mean, it, it worked out great. Um, but yeah, thank you, Carrie, for being on the podcast. And um, yeah, thank you for being my first guest. And uh, hopefully we'll do this again at some point. I don't know when I'll be doing another podcast, but (laughs) no no worries. Thank you, Gary. Thanks. (laughs) And thanks for uh, listening, everyone. Watch me listen to this podcast. Thank you.